That's the Mile High Hoops podcast with me, Zach By, powered by my friends at Superbook Sports. Stand up, Nuggets Nation. It's now time for the Mile High Hoops podcast with Zach By, presented by Superbook Sports on your home for the most Nuggets content. Denver's Sports Station, 1043 The Fan. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach By, and as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day with me here on the podcast, reacting to the third win in a row for your Denver Nuggets. They are now 17-10 following a 141-128 victory over the Washington Wizards. If you know, if you watch the game, then you already know it to be true, um, that score. But if you're, for some reason, hearing it for the first time or being reminded about it, um, I'm pretty sure we can find an all-star game in NBA history that had uh, less points than the, uh, what are we talking, 169, or excuse me, 269 points. Um, absolutely crazy. A handful of takeaways. But none more so um, than well, it, it, it's it, it's interesting tr- trying to um, divide my focus here because I think my number one takeaway naturally wants to be just how bad of a defensive team the Nuggets are. But that sounds like I'm you know um, muddying a win or taking away from an NBA win. Uh, three game winning streaks are not easy, and that's uh, currently what the Nuggets are riding here. So you want to give uh, credit properly, but you also don't want to just be um, a slave to wins and losses and not um, evaluate what your eyes are, are are telling you. And I think big picture, down the line this spring, like we're not going to remember this game. We're, we're really not. Or, or actually, you know, maybe we will for a reason or two that we'll get into here in a second. But like, again, like big picture with a broad stroke, we're not going to be breaking down games in December when everything's on the line this spring, okay? Um, But what happens during these games and during December um, can correlate to what you see this spring. And the Nuggets all last year, I referred to them as, as it was the year before the year. It was the year before the year. And this is the year, right? This is the year where a championship is actually attainable. How many times in the history of this organization has that sentence been true? Not many. But you look at the Western Conference and you look at the league as a whole, but let's just specifically dwell on the West here. There is no super team. There is no team without flaw. Like, there is no big three. There is no Warriors. There is no uh, a Shaq and Kobe or fill in the blank. There's, there is no Pop, Duncan, Four Hall of Fame Spurs like that. That's not the West, and and, and it, it it frustrates me a little bit. And you can kind of hear it in my voice right now. What voice I'm I'm hanging on to. And by the way, I think you you may hear um, <coughs> pauses throughout this podcast as my voice is is wearing thin. I feel like I'm getting sick. I don't know if I am or not, but I feel like my voice is wearing thin. And I did um, 20 minutes of a, a, an online uh, segment. Uh, in the morning called Coffee Break and did the three-hour radio show already and then did an extra segment with The Drive, uh, the show after us. So I'm, I'm feeling myself on the fritz here. So if you hear pauses or whatever, that, that, I'm, I'm good. I'm here. Um, bear with me. But the Western Conference 
has never, for any team, been more attainable to finish in the number one seed, to do anything that you would want, like organizational goals. It's it's really wide open for anyone. Like if you're Memphis, you feel great about it. If you're the Pelicans, you feel great about the current landscape. If you're the Blazers, you can talk yourself into stuff. Like, And, and, and that's not even including teams like the Clippers and Suns and Mavs and Warriors, who we assume that we're going to be near the top of the conference um, at the outset, and they're just not. So like... It's a Royal Rumble right now. Someone's going to win this thing. But think about this. How how crazy is it that the unsettled landscape of the conference, the path to get to the NBA Finals, is in the exact intersection of where the Nuggets have hoped to take this leap, and they've been building to this point for years, for this season. And it happens to be the season where it's just wide open. So it's right now for the Denver Nuggets. Why am I talking about all this? Why am I talking about the, 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 this big picture idea um, in the month of December? Because this is what it's all about for these current Nuggets, which is why, which is why I have a smidgen of disappointment amidst this three-game winning streak. Because look at the history of this league. No championship team ever, ever looks like this defensively. In a league of 30, you're bottom two, bottom three defensive teams in the league. Now, the it's not even a consolation. It's the it's the um, it's the thank God, uh, thank Godness of of what we're talking about is that the Nuggets have one of the great offenses that we've seen. I mean, this offense is brilliant. This offense put up 141 points in a night where Jamal Murray played one of the worst games I've ever seen. And without Michael Porter Jr., they still scored over 140 points with that framework? That's insane. They didn't hit threes, guys. <laughs> like, they didn't hit threes. And they scored 141 points. You know how many three-pointers the Nuggets made on um, Wednesday evening? Four. Four. That's it. They made four three-pointers and scored a buck 41. The Wizards made 19 threes and lost. And the Nuggets covered the spread. I mean, what we're seeing offensively is just so brilliant. It's 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 hard to um um you know truly convey what we're what we're seeing here. This could be this could go down as uh, statistically the greatest offense in NBA history. Think about that. But defense like that's not how you're going to win in the playoffs, guys. It's just not. Let's go reset ourselves what playoff basketball looks like. Doesn't look like what we saw on Wednesday. Not even close. Not even close. So, do I want to get excited about a three-game winning streak? Yeah, hell yeah. Why not? Do I want to get excited about being one game out of the Western Conference number one seed? Hell yeah. Why not? But my basketball instinct is screaming, saying this is not sustainable when it matters most. And the stuff that matters most is the only thing that the Nuggets should be worried about. They've been building to this point. So when you have defensive struggles the way that the Nuggets have, and then you get three, four days rest and an opportunity to actually practice and sort of reset yourself and re, um, um, re-identify what your identity actually is and who you wanted to be. 
I was looking at the over-under total uh, before the the game opened up my Superbook app, and it was like something like, I think it was like 232, something like that. Big number. And I'm like, I think I got to go under here because we are going to see a Nuggets team that is so focused coming out of this, like it's almost like a mini bye week uh, in, in terms of an NBA season. Stretches of rest like that are hard to come by where you're actually able to practice and whatnot. Um, so I'm like, these guys are going to guard. And then then you learn, you know, eventually, you know, pregame, before the game or whatever, that Christophe Porzingis, who's having a great season, and Bradley Beal, they're not even going to play. This is a Wizards team that came in with a 3-10 and road record. I'm like, this is going to be, they are going to, they're going to hold Washington to 94 points. And then there the Wizards were with 67 points going into halftime. I mean, that's just, guys, I'm sorry. That's unacceptable. And I don't want to be Debbie Downer here, but I'm just giving you the real. We'll get to some of the positive stuff here in a minute. But that's just the real. That That's my number one takeaway. And, and, and you hear Malone after the game. It's almost like he's resigned to the fact that um, this is who his team is. Like they give a defensive player of the game chain away. Like they didn't give it to anyone. And, and how could you? How could you? So, um, that, that, that guys, that's going to be a theme until it's not. And, and also, here's, here's what I don't like to hear. That like, oh, well, we know when it matters, we'll turn it on. We've talked about this stuff for years, guys. Championship habits are a real thing. You just, it's not a light switch. And the Nuggets haven't won anything before. So it's not even like they've been there, done that, and they have a history to draw from like the Warriors. Like the Warriors right now are um, a struggling basketball team, right? Newsflash. They're, they're, they're just they're, – they, they, they've been disjointed this year. Let's just let's put it like that. But they know deep down who they can be, right, despite being a middling team. Right now at the time of recording, they are uh, 14 wins, 15 losses, right? Who wants to play the Warriors in the playoffs? No one. And the Warriors, if anyone can, we know that they can flip the switch, right? The Nuggets, th- th- that, that's not who they are. I was expecting this Nuggets team to be on a mission, to out with a point to prove, knowing what the formula is to win in the playoffs, and go out and see more. It's not going to be perfect, right? It's an 82-game marathon. I'm not expecting perfection. But I wasn't expecting one of the league's worst defenses either. And just because they have one of the league's best offenses, um... It's not, it's not math. It's not like cross-cancelization. That they have this, so that doesn't matter. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Okay, I'm getting off my soapbox. Um, it was an interesting night uh, at Ball Arena. It was, you know, Wes Sunsell Jr. back in the building and Will Barton back in the building, Monte Morris back in the building. And, um, you know, seeing those guys in these different uniforms play the Nuggets was just kind of weird. Uh, considering how terrific those role players were for so long. I mean, those guys really were gems for the Denver Nuggets. Gems. Like when Will Barton first comes here, you're not expecting him to be the franchise all-time three-point leader. Monte Morris was a model of consistency and the perfect backup point guard. So it was a little bit different to see those guys, and they gave him video tributes, and that was really cool to see. And just judging by some of the post-game stuff, I think it meant more to Monte. He was more um, sentimental about it, which I did appreciate. I, I have to share um, Will was more dismissive of the moment, and I don't know if he's still mad about, you know, um, not being here. I think that's reasonable to deduce. Um, but it was it was, it was was good seeing those guys, and it was good, um, 
seeing them, you know, have some success in a loss, right? That, that's how you would prefer it. Um, so for Monte Morris to go out there and make four threes and um, hey, score 20 points and uh, Will Barton go out there and score 22 points and shoot it well. I mean, he made four threes on his own. and um, So that was cool. I, I, I like to see those longstanding nuggets go other places and have success. Um, they're not having success as a team. The, the Wizards are a bad team. They're now on an eight-game losing streak. Um, but uh, that was that was just kind of cool to see. Uh, Wes Sunsell Jr. on the other side. Um, the Nuggets scored 30 points in the paint in the first quarter. They finished with a franchise record, 98 points in the paint. And they were on pace after the first 12 minutes to score 120 points in the paint. I mean, that was just insane. Um, this was a game in which Nikola Jokic clearly had a singular mindset to seek and destroy. I mean, he was so dominant offensively. I mean, that, that I love to see that. Um, we actually don't see that enough from Yoke. Uh, he has games he, and, and matchups where you're like, oh, my God, this guy can score 50. You actually saw flashes of that in big chunks, especially in that third quarter. He was just like, give me the effing ball. No one out here can guard me. I'm going to go for 43 on 17 to 20 shooting. And don't forget, one of those misses was a half-court heave, further than the half-court, three-quarter court, at like the end of the second quarter, I think it was. And another miss was he got his own miss and went right back up for an and one. So it's like even when he even when he um, missed, he made it. So just an utterly dominant performance, 9-10 uh, from the free throw line. He had 14 rebounds, 8 assists. He should have had a triple-double. If he wanted it, he would have had it. He didn't care. Um, he was he was in an offensive mindset. I love to see it. Perfect. He was a plus twenty eight when he was out on the floor. So truly one of the more dominant performances of the season. Um, he had a handful of plays, man. Where like he had a play at the end of the second quarter. Um, uh, okay, so the heave couldn't have been at the end of the second quarter. Maybe it was at the end of the first or third. I forget. Um, but at the end of the second quarter, he was directing traffic for um, like four straight seconds, like with his hands, like like a like a, a conductor of an orchestra, which is like what Nicola actually represents for this team. He's like, no, you over here, look, look, push. He's like waving guys through, and 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 of course he he directs traffic. He moves every all the chess pieces around for like four straight seconds, and. He just leads to exactly what he wanted, which was a wide-open layup for Bruce Brown. He got fouled. He went to the free-throw line, um, which, by the way, you know, Katie Wingie said something on the Altitude broadcast that uh, we've talked about here on the podcast. It just drives me crazy. If you break a guy off with an assist and he goes to the free-throw line and makes two free-throws, you should get an assist for that. Um, I know it would screw up all the raw numbers and NBA history and stuff, and I know the advanced stats do measure that as a stat, um, but I just I, I that that still just drives me crazy. I hated it when I was a player, and I I, I don't like it now. Um, uh, what else here? Um, other Jokic plays. I mean, this guy when he when he broke off, it was KCP, I believe. That one-handed dime from midcourt, splitting two defenders like Patrick Mahomes would a safety and a corner. I mean, just ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um, he had another pass to uh, Jeff Green coming down the middle of the, middle of the paint. Jeff Green reversed, dunked it. How many dunks did the Nuggets have on Wednesday night? 
Serious question. I, I don't know the answer. If I were to guess, I'd say 13. I think that'd be my guess. I mean, there was just so many dunks, so many alley-oops. I mean, it was just nuts, 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 nuts. Jeff Green caught a body. Holy moly. I think that was in the third. I, and I think it was uh, Gafford, who is a brilliant af- uh, athlete, by the way. Um, not sure how much of our, our listeners have got a chance to see Daniel Gafford, kid from Arkansas, young player, second-round pick. This dude flies around. But he was caught flat-footed by Uncle Jeff, and, and he put it on his cranium. Love to see it. It feels like every other game, Jeff Green takes off and just reminds everyone, uh, yeah, these legs still work. These legs still work. Um, what else here? Oh, my gosh, guys, Jamal Murray was dreadful. Just dreadful. And we continue to come on here and react to what we're seeing. And I almost feel guilty because we'll record a podcast and it'll be like, Jamal Murray is, man, he's so close to being back and he's terrific and hopefully this is a springboard. And then, you know, two games will happen over the course of a weekend and we're coming back in here like, oh my gosh, Jamal is down bad. He is down bad. And and as we talked about in the most previous episode, that's the way this is going to go. I'm just like... I'm just resigned to the fact that that's the way that this is going to go. Uh, the consistency factor that plagued Jamal before the injury is even more um, sharp uh, post-injury. So it's just going to be something that we're going to have to keep our eye out on, obviously. Um, it was a little bit weird, though, this one. I mean, he didn't just struggle. He was he didn't just struggle like he, he, he took you know, 12, 13 shots and made three of them. He took six shots. Took six shots, looked detached from the team, looked um, emotionally uh, zapped. Take that what you will. I mean, if you watch the game, you you saw some of the stuff. There was a possession in the third quarter that, and I wrote this in my notes, it was very, very, very strange. Jokic is going on his run where he is dominating the opposition. Okay? He's scoring virtually every single, no, he's, he's scoring, not virtually, he's scoring every single time down the court. And in a rare barrage of Jokic offensive, just head down, I'm going to kick your ass. We don't see a ton of that from Jokic. His game is just more diverse. But he was had that singular mindset. And he was having so much success that they came down for possession and Jokic wanted the ball. Jokic rarely demands the ball, okay? But that's what he was doing. And Jamal saw it and heaved up this bomb like three, four feet behind the three-point line. It completely misses everything. And Jokic just put his head down and was just like shaking his head. Like, what are, What the F was that? And I don't know how to answer that question. I don't know. But that possession right there was a microcosm to how bizarre Jamal Murray's Wednesday night against the Warriors was. Um, word is that he was out of out of there, out of the arena very quickly after the game. No clue, guys, no clue, um, but did not look like a happy camper. Was like almost like visibly, uh, I don't know how, what what verb, it visual, visibly frustrated, pouting, uh, checked out, whatever. Uh, if you saw the game, you saw it for yourself. I don't know what to make of it. I'm just going to keep my eye on it, and hopefully there's a, a bounce back. You never know what's going on with people's lives, right? Um, you just never know. Okay, uh, what else? Christian Brown is back out there. Looks great. 
<coughs> Excuse me. Christian Brown, we've been talking a lot about him. Needs to play every single night. Every single night. Every night. I'm, I'm, I'm done banging this drum. He's good enough to play every night. He's a good defender. He is a, a real NBA athlete. And that was on display on Wednesday evening. He had the ball on the right side. Uh, pump fakes his dude out of his shoes. And he put it on the ground. I think it was just once. Might have been twice. And he takes off with that left foot, right foot in the air, two hands, 11 feet off the ground, and just threw that thing down. And I love when that kid has a head of steam and takes off. Um, Had a separate play. He put someone in the spin cycle coming from the other side of the floor this time, the left side of the floor. Had him in the spin cycle. Finishes. Kid plays hard on every single possession. Uh, He shot three from six, uh, three of six, rather. Uh, on Wednesday night, finishes with eight points. Kid makes an impact. Needs to play every single night. Should have never been out of the rotation. Uh, with all due respect to Davon Reed. Um, uh, talked about the points in the paint being a franchise record. Oh, I thought Bones Highland was was terrific. He was really fun to watch. Um, eight of 11 from the floor. Watching him work with uh, Nikola Jokic in the pick and roll was a treat. It was very Jamal-esque. You know, pre-injury, like it was just just um, the synergy between the two. Like he gets it and getting Jokic the ball on time, on target for these easy down the middle of the lane situations. Uh, I just love to see it. And he shot the ball well. Bones did, finishes with 23 points. He was five for six from the stripe, two of five from three, eight of 11 from the field. Um, you know, he uh, uh, and also, <coughs> excuse me, I told you this was going to happen. Um Bones had uh, six assists as well. So really, really like what I see uh, from Bones Highland. It um, hasn't been a perfect season, a bit up and down, but uh, the ups are uh, higher than the lows of the downs. So uh, what else? Aaron Gordon continues to be just the best version of himself. I mean, what, what, what do you say? Um, we've been talking about how great he's been. He's been the second best nugget this season unequivocally. Um, he had 22 points. He was a plus 21 when he was out on the floor. He shot eight of 14, hyper efficient, six of seven from the line, pulled down seven rebounds, had three assists, had a steal, had a block outside of a turnover where he was just trying to do too much off the bounce. I thought he was just great. This continues to be great. I mean, that guy, um, I'm, 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 I'm just all in. I I don't know what to say. My chips are all in, uh, on, on Aaron Gordon. Um, and it was good to see uh, Bruce Brown uh, hit a three. We've been talking, we, we mentioned on the last um, a podcast that he has struggled a little bit here as of late. Hadn't made a three in a couple games. It was good to see uh, one go down for him. Um, what else? Oh, we saw a jersey swap at the end of this one. We saw a jersey swap. Nikola Jokic does not do jersey swaps. Monte wanted one. Uh, he did it. I thought it was a, a, a cool moment uh, for Yoke. One that I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do a little sidebar here, and it's it's not gonna be a popular to to some. Okay, I'm just telling you. But I have to be myself, and I just have to have to share this stuff. Um, I would like Nikola Jokic to lean into more moments. Uh, I know how he is just who he is. Okay, everything's so understated. Um. You know, he got the MVP last night. He got the MVP trophy. The first ever 
Michael Jordan MVP trophy. Okay, they redesigned all the trophies, gave him new names, paying homage to the past. I feel a little bit conflicted uh, about that uh, wholesale overhaul of all the trophies. Um, I love the history of this league, so I love honoring the past. I do, um, but let, 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 let me stick with the Jokic stuff because I can go down a whole other rabbit hole here. Um, the fact that Jokic was given the first ever Michael Jordan MVP trophy in the locker room in front of like 18, 25 people, I just, I, I don't like it. I don't like it. That should have been at center court, pregame, halftime, postgame, pick a time. I don't give a damn. But that should have been a moment. It's not just about Jokic. How about all the people that support this team? How about all the people that wished for an MVP for years before Jokic ever shows up? Like, everyone always says, oh, he doesn't care, he doesn't care, he doesn't care. Well, I do. And a lot of fans do. And I just wish it was um, Jokic would... Um, be more like endearing uh, in a way, and I know I'm I'm, I'm kind of I'm I'm going down a rabbit hole here, but like Jokic just and we talked a little bit about this on a radio show today, like he's leaving the arena without the award and like doesn't care. I think that's weird. Like, and I get told all the time how awesome that is that like Jokic is. Like it's so like two things can be true at the same time. Like you can be the team first guy, but also like you know care about the MVP trophy that you're now awarded for the first time. Do you know the history behind that? Like, do you know how rare and important this is? And I just wish that he would lean more into moments like he had with Monte Morris after the game, saying yes to the jersey swap. Now I'm not a huge jersey swap guy. It's not about the jersey swap. It's about just embracing whether it's teammates, the city, the United States. Uh, the MVP trophy, like all this stuff. I just wish, like, he is an amazing basketball player. He's one of my favorite players that I've ever seen. He's going to do a backs handspring into the Hall of Fame. I just wish that um, he would warm up to this other stuff. Like, it doesn't take away anything from anything else if you just thaw out to some of this stuff. And some of the stuff is kind of a big deal. Like, an MVP, that's a big deal, man. I don't know. Um, so I just wish that was a little bit different. Whatever. That's my little. That's my little sidebar. Um, I got to give a, a shout out to Chris Marlowe on the um, Altitude broadcast. Bones from the Highlands is like one of my favorite calls ever. That's like fire up the fountains or a Rockies home run. A uh, Jenny Kavner. Like Bones from the Highlands is too freaking good. Too freaking good. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, okay. I think that's gonna do it for us uh, today. My my voice held up. Is anything else here that I wanted to get to? Oh, um, <laughs> this is a little bit uh, random. But the season that Bowl Bowl is having, we have not mentioned Bowl Bowl at all um, this year. Um, I became a bit dismissive after a certain number of years in the Nuggets organization and in their program of who he was ever going to be. Um, I pretty much sold all my stock on him, um, just just keeping it real. So to see him averaging almost 13 points a game and playing 27 minutes a night for Orlando. Freaking good for that. Good for that kid. Seriously. Still a young player. He's given um, 
leeway and opportunity in Orlando that just was never going to come in Denver for Mike Malone and where this program is at. Um, he's perfect down there uh, with, you know, uh, Cole Anthony and uh, Franz Wagner and Paolo Boncaro and who else? Wendell Carter Jr., Jalen Suggs. Like, they have a fun little team down there in Orlando, um, and he can just play and play through mistakes. And um, that organization's getting dividends uh, with, with Bull Bull. So I just wanted to give a shout-out. I'm seeing something that I did not see coming. Um, and he deserves uh, he deserves credit. He deserves credit. Okay, we'll leave it there for now, guys. Uh, the Nuggets, uh, like I said earlier, moved to 17-10 and 10 on the season, 8-3 and three at home. Their next game is on national television. It'll be on Friday night at 8 o'clock here Mountain Time on ESPN against the Los Angeles Lakers. I think Jokic is warming up to the MVP conversation. His last three games have been brilliant. In fact, during today's radio show, during one of the commercial breaks, I bet Jokic to win MVP at 20 to 1. And in my opinion, it is just irresponsible to not take a flyer on Nikola Jokic, the reigning two-time and defending MVP when he's at 20 to 1 odds. 20 bucks wins you about 400 if it comes to fruition. I'd be kicking myself if that wasn't the case. And I, I mentioned that because games on national TV against teams like the Lakers, that actually matters in those conversations because everyone gets to see it on display. So we'll see if Jokic can keep it up. We'll see if the Nuggets can win their fourth in a row. And whatever happens on Friday on ESPN and beyond on Sunday against Charlotte at home, you know we'll be talking about it on Monday right here on the Mile High Hoops podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the Mile High Hoops podcast powered by Superbook Sports. Until next time.